answered it. Remember those days when you actually answered a landline? I know, some of you are going, what? Yeah. So I answered the phone, and we were living in Calgary at the time, so it was Alberta Health, and it was like they wanted to know the ages and birth dates of my children. Now, as a dad, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> but there was nowhere to look, so I had to make it up. So I got all the months right, but I got the dates wrong. And so our kids had Alberta health cards with the wrong birth dates on them. And my wife has never let me forget it. So anyway, I've had many more dad fails than that, but at least that's one I can share. Now, I don't know if any of you can see up here, but there's some yummy looking things up here. What dad does not like a chocolate bar? Especially like, I think dads are into like, oh, Henry and eat more but I've also got like Caramilk and Kit Kat. So I'd like to give some of these away today, but you, some of you dads have to help me out. So Dave, are we ready with this mic? Don's ready with the bribery? Okay. So my first question, general, this can be to all dads, but you have to have at least two kids. First dad, who can tell me your kids' birthdays? Year they're born and birthdays. Okay, Andrew, you win it over here. Well, wait a minute. Jen isn't here to collaborate that you're right. Okay. <laughs> uh, the only reason why I remember is because they steal all of our thunder. Because <laughs> Emmy was born three days before my birthday. She's May 14th, 2016. Benny's born about a week before Jen. He's December 10th, 2018. And then Nora is December 18th, which is Jen's birthday, 2021. Oh and that one might even be more fatal to forget. Well, she's right before Christmas, so she gets no thunder anyways, and now Nora just robbed it from her. So. <laughs> All right. Well, she isn't here to collaborate, but he sounded so confident. Do we believe him? Kids, was he right? Okay. Okay. What will Andrew pick? What's he going for? The one that Jen likes. Oh, look at that. He's going for the Kit Kat. Okay, next question. Oh, I'm going back over here now, Dave. Sorry to confuse you. Oh, it's Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Okay, so the next question is for new dads. So if your wife has had a baby in the last year, do you know the birth date, weight, and measurement of the baby? Come on, new dads, birth date, weight, and measurement. Okay. Did you whisper it to him? <laughs> January 12th, seven, point, or seven pounds, six ounces, and 20 and a half inches. Is he right? A, a three, three ounces off. Oh, he's three oh. ounces off. Oh! What does the crowd think? Give him one anyway? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, now this is for the older dads like me, the grandpas. Okay, grandpas, if you can tell me the names of your grandchildren and their ages, and you have to have two or more. Come on, two or more. You have to know their names and their ages. That's pretty hard for grandpas to remember ages. No one's taking it over here? Okay, Dwayne's hand is up, so I've got to honor. Hmm. Yeah, better get it right. Uh, so Scarlett, and she, we've had her first birthday, and Harvey has not had a birthday yet. 
So how many months is he? Uh, Six-ish. <laughs> I don't know. He's about two weeks off. So he's about, okay, we'll give him that so then. Okay. Okay, does one more grandpa want to try to redeem grandpas here, please? Come on. No one's taken an eat more yet. Okay, I had one more question. I'm, now, it's, now it's escaping me. Okay, so now, uh, kids, it's your turn. So kids, you, if you can answer this, get to pick a chocolate bar for you and dad to share later. But you have to wait till after church. Okay, I think that's the rule. All right, so which kid would like to tell us why your dad is awesome? Okay, I did see that hand first and then that hand second, so we'll go here. You have to say, why is your dad great or awesome? Not just because you want a chocolate bar. Because he helped my mom make me. (laughs) 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 Woo! Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Okay. This is a PG-13 church, just so you all know. Can you reach the mic up there? Oh, back here is Ivy. Because he plays sports with me whenever I want. Woo, way to go, Dad. Can we, can we do this? Okay. Okay, I see another hand way over here. There's a lot of hands. Parents have to help me out which hand came up first. I'm just going to have to do a random guess and pick you. Okay. Nice. Built the farm and plays with you. Okay, this is so unfair now, isn't it? Okay, I have to be random one more time and go you. You got it. Because he's so selfish. (laughs) Okay, one more try. Doing chores with me. Doing chores with you. Way to go, Dad. All right. Okay, sorry guys. We got to pick we, one more kid on the other side of the room. Oh, I see that hand. I'm coming. <laughs> Where did I see that hand? I saw your hand. Go ahead. Uh, he's really awesome and he supports me to get pit vipers. Okay. <laughs> Support is good. All right. Well, thank you, dads. I hope you feel blessed and encouraged today. And you can bribe me later for those remaining chocolate bars. All right. Well, at this time, I'm going to ask Chance if he'll come come on up. We have a couple exciting announcements to make today. Today was our last day of Sunday school for this year, and so we want to do a little bit of recognition, and just while Chance is coming, there is a picnic celebration right after the service today that everyone is invited to, so I'll let you fill in the rest. Yeah, so like Don said, today is our last day of Sunday school, and as the head of the teaching ministry, just want to say thanks to the teachers, so maybe just get you guys to stand up when I call your name. Um, We've got Jen and Roxy, who lead our Sunday school. I think one of them might be out there. Lee's pointing. Um, We also have Andrew, who subbed this year. 
We have Raya who teaches the four and five-year-olds. We have Julia who teaches the grades one to three. Colleen and Curtis who teaches uh, grades four to six. All right, let's have them all stand. There they go. Thank you, teachers. So yeah, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you guys. It's great seeing you guys doing, using your gifts for such an important ministry. I know you make a huge impact on our kids. I mean, I still remember some of my teachers. Jad and Gary, I think you guys are my teachers either Sunday school or clubs, one of the two. I don't know how good of a job you did, but... <laughs> Uh, I also remember Ellery Jans, he was my club buddy, so you guys, it's a huge impact that you make on our kids, so thank you. I'm also get Joyce to come up. She said she was going to be here, so. Where is Joyce Where's hiding? Joyce? There she is. There she is. <laughs> so Joyce has been leading our children's church for a number of years. Um, I know the one time Scotty came home and said that teacher lady taught her about manners, and I was like, you know what, that same teacher lady taught me about manners when I was her age. <laughs> And I'm still slightly scared of feeding my kids in church because I'm still scared of Joyce. So. <laughs> but we just want to say a huge thank you. It's, you've, you've been great. So thank you. All right. Thank you, Joyce. All right. Thanks, Chance. And Chance leads uh, as one of our ministry team leaders who leads in the area of uh, teaching. So now I need Ryan. Where are you? one of our elders, and we have another exciting announcement today concerning ministry team. All right. Um, as you know, at our last meeting there, we voted in uh, Josh for the ministry team. Um, we have another vacancy, which is the management position, which Gary Hildebrandt has let his name stand for. So over the next couple of weeks, if you guys have any questions, concerns, Please come and talk to any one of us, and yeah, we'll probably have a quick meeting after a church service here in the next few weeks just to finalize that or whatever you guys choose with that, so thanks. All right, thank you, Ryan. So that is great news. Our elder team and our ministry team now have a full complement of leaders. We can always use more, but uh, we're so thankful to God for providing and ask you to just continue to pray as we're still looking for a children's church leader and uh, still looking for someone to give leadership to our deacons. So ask the Holy Spirit if he's putting that on your heart. All right, well, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to get to do some music together. And while they do, let's just uh, open our service in prayer. Well, Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you that we can gather in the name of Jesus. Oh, we worship you and we praise you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for being such a good Father. And Lord, we start by worshiping you this Father's Day. And Lord, for other dads like me, thank you for the, the privilege of being a dad. And Lord, I pray that we would always be humble, be filled by your Spirit, and that we would love our kids and love our families and love our wives the way you, Father, model your incredible love. So I just pray that blessing over each father and over each family today. Lord, thank you for everyone gathered here. Lord, uh, we're here today because we need you. Lord, I pray that in our weakness that you will be strong. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will use the songs today and the message today and everything that we hear today, Lord. Use it to encourage each one of us. Lord, that we will know that we didn't just go to church, but Lord, that we today will experience you, Jesus, 
and be filled afresh by your spirit and just be empowered to live for you. So Lord, we ask that in your precious name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. This week I found myself humming this first old chorus in the middle of life's day-to-day messiness. I think I would honestly rarely say, I'm so happy. And yet when I think of what Jesus has done for me, I should be saying that every day and never taking it for granted. Please stand and join us in singing about that amazing, wonderful, joy-filled gift of grace. Chosen seed of Israel's race, he 
Good morning. My name is Mabel Dirksen, and I'm the action team leader for the World Missions Committee here at Bridgeway Community Church. It's been a little bit of a time since we've updated you on the four missionaries our church financially supports. And these are four of our global missionaries. We have Rebecca in Thailand, Laverne in Panama, Brad and Cassidy in Thailand, and JNS in a creative access country. On the next slide, you're going to see the different missions organizations that they're affiliated with. So both Rebecca and Laverne are affiliated with Multiply, which is the missions branch of the MB denomination that our church is a part of. And Brad and Cassidy recently moved to the Great Commission Foundation, and JNS have been with Christar for decades. And what the purpose of this update here today is to give you some praise items, some of the exciting things that have been happening in these missionaries' lives over the past six months, and also to give you some prayer requests to pray for over the summer. So before we get into the missionaries, I have a lovely little diagram to show you. And it's based on what Pastor Don talked to us when he was teaching us about spiritual gifts. And I'm also a teacher by profession, so I believe it's important to review, that you bring back ideas that you talked about earlier, and then you review them so that we think about them and we really learn them. So the, the letters here represent the five-fold ministry of the church, and this is from Ephesians chapter 4. So first of all, we have apostles, and apostles are the sent ones. These are the visionaries. They're the ones who are starting new ministries. They're starting new church plots. These are the people who go out and do things that maybe nobody's ever thought about. Then we have the prophets. The prophets are the ones who question. They question how things are, how things could be. They also have the ability to discern, and they speak into people's lives, and they tell them what they see and what they vision and what God has been telling them about them. We have our evangelists. Now, it's kind of strange, but they're the recruiters. They're the ones who go out. They're incredibly enthusiastic about sharing the gospel. Whatever situation they find themselves in, they're telling people about Jesus, and people are coming to know Jesus as a result, and the church is physically growing. Then we have the shepherds. The shepherds are typically your pastoral ministry, but they don't have to be the official pastor. These are people in the church who really care. And they care for, they, that's, that's their calling. We're, we're all supposed to care, but that's their specific calling. That they're, they're looking out for people and they're trying to meet needs and they're trying to equip people. They have this caring ministry. And then we have our teachers. Our teachers, their job is to take complex ideas, break them up into understandable chunks so people can learn. So why am I talking about this? Because when I was reading the updates of these four missionaries, these different jobs or roles or ministries were coming up in my brain. So the first one I want to talk about is Rebecca. Rebecca is in Thailand, and when you read her updates, she's an evangelist and she's a teacher by the types of things she talks about. So, for example, if you read her update, she's so enthusiastic about telling people about Jesus. She'll say, I talked to my neighbor, and I told them about Jesus. I was having coffee and I shared with a person there. And then we were traveling here, and I took a team, and we shared about Jesus. Everywhere she goes, she is just bubbling and telling people that Jesus died for their sins and rose again on the third day. And you can actually see that with her praise requests. One of her praise items is just safety and travel. 
She's traveled all over the place in Thailand with teams, and in these opportunities that she's in these cities, she has just shared Jesus everywhere she's going, and she's helping people also do that. So that's where the teaching element comes in, and that's her prayer request. She's been discipling young people, and she has a special passion for young people, to see them learn about Jesus and to basically do the types of things we're learning about being a healthy and biblical church. And she's taken them out, and they're practicing what they've learned. And now her prayer request is as they're heading back home, that the lessons that they've learned will now come to their home communities, and they'll continue on with those lessons. So that's her prayer request for the summer. Our next missionary is Brad and Cassidy. And if you read their updates, they are shepherds. They have such care and concern for the orphans that are in the Abundant Life home that they are working in. Now, for those of you who may not know about the Abundant Life home, the Abundant Life home is for children who have been abandoned by their families. And the reason why they've been abandoned by their families is because they have HIV. So these are kids who have been abandoned by their families, and this home is providing them a place where they can feel love and acceptance. And it is their passion to share Jesus with them. So they are definitely this shepherd type of role in the church. And one of their prayer requests, praises, is for a little boy by the name of Paul. That's not his real name. But Paul had the desire that he wanted to be connected with some biological family for his forever home. So the prayers request, praise item, is that they found this bio, a biological family that's willing to take him in. And they're in the process of trying to make that official. So that is exciting news for this little boy. Now their prayer request has more to do with their own children. So Brad and Cassidy, they have four children. They have Noah. Mika and Finn, three children, sorry, I'm not reading right. Um, These three children, one of the challenges that missionaries have, especially when you have children, is when you go to an overseas country, there may not be good education opportunities for your kids. Now I know it's June and all the students in the room are done and the teachers are not that far behind. And, but I want you to realize, kids, if you're in school, you are so blessed in Canada. You have amazing school systems here. That is not the case in a lot of these countries. So unfortunately, Brad and Cassidy are at a crossroads. They're basically having to make a decision. Do we stay in Thailand, which means we have to find a school that our kids can get a good education so they can go to college and university if that's their goal? And how in the world do we afford that? And how do we raise the funds for that? If they can't do that, they have to come home. So this is a major decision that they need to make pretty soon. So we want to pray for them. The Lord gives them guidance because it's a major decision because they have such a heart for the abundant life home and they obviously want to stay there but if it comes to the education of their children they have to look at options so please pray for them the next missionary is laverne in panama and when i read her updates she's a shepherd she is totally a shepherd she has such care and concern for the wunan people and her praise was There was a missions team that came from Forest Grove Community Church from Saskatoon, and it happened to be all women and a baby went down to Panama. And they had a missions team connect with the Wunan women, and she said it was beautiful, just the enthusiasm and the love and the laughter and how people were growing in her faith. And guess what? She actually said to me, if a team wants to come from Bridgeway, I would be more than excited to make that happen. So I was like, ooh, that, this is, these are great dreams that uh, we could potentially explore. So she, you could see that. She just loves this fact that people are connecting together and she wants to see that. And her prayer request is an ongoing prayer request. So there is a building called the House of the Sower 
It is a building in which um, they're trying to renovate it so that they can use it for ministry purposes. And it needs a lot of renovations and needs funds to do that, as well as laborers who are willing to help. So that's her ongoing prayer request that that will happen so they can get this building ready for ministry. The last missionary I want to talk about is JNS in Central Asia. And if you read their updates, they're apostles. They're the sent ones. They're often talking about starting new things. And you can actually see it with their praise. They said, the beginning of a Persian deaf ministry. A beginning. They, they, they've started this. They saw a need that there were people in that region who are deaf, who need to hear about Jesus in a language that they understand. So they have worked toward this, and they've brought people, and they are just praising the Lord that this ministry now exists. Their prayer request is just for strength as well as wisdom for the summer because they have a teammate who's returning back to North America to finish this uh, a master's. And so they have to go from their city to another city where this teammate was. And they have to watch over the church and help in that church while this teammate is in North America. So they're specifically teaching through the book of Colossians and they're visiting new believers every week. And this is a new church plant in a new city. So you can see just from the description that they're an example of an apostle. So I'm just going to read a word of scripture with you. This is from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. We need more feet. Currently, the World Missions Committee has one member, me. I would love it if people could join me. Now, here is a list of the values that our church finds incredibly important and that guide us. So intergenerational, scriptural foundation, ministry involvement, authentic, and relationship. These are very important values. Now, you may look at them and go, well, evangelism, outreach, sending church, missions, doesn't seem to be officially part of the values. But I can argue it's there under scriptural foundation. If you read the Bible from beginning to end, you get the picture that God is very concerned about humanity, the whole world. He wants people in your local community to come to know Jesus. He wants people in your country to come to know Jesus. He wants people in the world to come to know Jesus. It's his heart. So it's there. I would love it if people would join me. And you know what? It doesn't matter to me how old you are. You could be 13 years old and come join me. You could be 85 years old and you can come join me. All I ask is, you, are you interested in how God is working on a global scale? Or are you interested in exploring if you are interested in how God is working on a global scale? Either I'll take you. Beating heart comes. I'll make it work. And I want you to see this as an opportunity to explore some gifts. I will have a sign-up sheet at the back. And there's all kinds of things you could potentially do to help. Corresponding. Maybe you can choose a missionary and write to them and encourage them. They need to know that we have authentic relationships with them here at Bridgeway. Um, event planning. JNS are coming in September. We need to plan something for them. I would love it if we could plan something for them, but I would like to do it not by myself. <laughs> Fundraising. Is there a, a project that they're passionate about that we could fundraise for? Potential mission trip. There are missionaries who are indicating that they have the desire of us coming down there. 
Multimedia, do you want to build skills on how to make a PowerPoint? I can help you, help you how to do that, help you how to get that ready and get it ready for presentation. Um, praying, anyone can do that at home. I would love to have a prayer team. And lastly, presenting. Do you want to come up here in the front and present an update? Now you may say, that is terrifying. I don't want to get in front of all these people and talk. That's okay. I can help you. I can train you to do that. And the reason I say that is I learned when I was a little girl how to present. And the only reason I can do this is because I've done it a lot. So I can help you do that. And I can help you with the empowering of the Holy Spirit and God's help. We can help you overcome that fear. So come join me. Because ultimately, all that we're doing in this church, and if we go to our last slide, is transformation in Jesus. We're trying to become more like Jesus through this whole process. This is, this is our vision as a church. And if you read the updates of these missionaries, that's what they want. They want people to become more and more like Jesus. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to share the stories of Rebecca, Laverne, Brad and Cassidy, and JNS. We thank you so much for their willingness to leave their countries and to be the feet, to go into the world and to preach the gospel. We pray that you'll encourage them for the wonderful things that have happened in the last six months. And I also pray that you'll equip them and empower them as they are heading into their summer with the different challenges that they need to face. I also pray for our congregation, if that there's people here who have the desire to know what God is doing on a global scale, or is interested in seeing if that is a gifting of theirs, or wants to explore different things, that you'll give them the courage to step out and realize that this is a loving and accepting place here at Bridgeway Community Church, and we want to help people discover their gifts, and this is an okay place to fail, and we want them to know that with your empowering, they can be more and more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mabel. Would you please stand and sing with us?
seated. Thank you, Rachel and Levin. My apologies. I almost forgot about them because I thought Levin was coming up here to play a different instrument because I think he plays about 10 or 12. But <laughs> just playing with Mum and the piano, thanks so much. We loved it. Well, I am thankful as a pastor and as a person and especially as a dad for grace because sometimes as dads, we make some pretty dumb mistakes. So I'm, I'm thankful for grace. Well, 
You know, this dad also missed something else that was unintended today. Josh, are you still around? Or did Josh leave us already? Okay. Oh, there he is. Josh, can you come and, and uh, just explain a little bit of the misunderstanding that Don mess, messed up on earlier? This is what dads have to do. We have to eat humble pie and uh, figure out how to make things right even when we mess up. So, there. <laughs> Hey. Hello. Yeah, the young man sitting with me there, he's very proud of his dad, and he just got the wrong words when the mic came towards him, but his dad is very selfless, not self selfish. So he's thankful that he gets to shoot gophers and play baseball with him all the time. So thanks, Blake. Thanks, Josh. And by the way, he can come and get one of these chocolate bars later, and I'll apologize for uh, misunderstanding what was going on there. All right. Okay, well, just before we uh, get into the message today, um, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. So I just want to say to uh, Darlene Corum, our hearts go out to you. Um, her husband, Phil, passed away this last week on June the 13th. And so we just want to pray for, for you and all of your family during this time. So would you please all join me now as we pray together. So Lord God, thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And I pray right now over Darlene and the rest of her family that your presence and your comfort and your peace will fall over them. Lord, um, we thank you for Phil and his life, and we just bring honor to him, Lord Jesus, in your name. Lord, thank you that uh, as a church family that we can uh, mourn together, we can make mistakes together, and sometimes we can laugh and celebrate together. And all of that is a gift from you. So Lord, now as we uh, come to the message time, I just ask, Lord, that you would open up your word to us. Spirit of God, I pray that you will speak beyond the words of dawn, and that through your word and what you want to say to this congregation will touch hearts today. So this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I'm assuming kids left when they saw the screen for kids' dismissal, but if you missed that, you can go at this time. All right, well, today is the last time you have to see this slide. This series called Healthy Church, Biblical Church, has finally come to the last message, and we are going to start a new series next week, the beginning of a summer series called A Summer in the Parables, and you will get to hear from six different individuals from our congregation who are going to share a parable this summer. So, Make sure you're here whenever you're not on holidays because it's going to be a fun summer of studying the parables together. So where are we going to go on our last day of how to be a healthy church and a biblical church? I'm going to talk about the evil S word. And no, not sex. I'm talking about the even more evil S word. We're going to talk about submit. So what comes to mind when you hear submit? Now, if you're like me and you grew up in the church, generally speaking, the church perspective is that submission or submit is a word that is directed to women, to children, or to regular church attenders who are supposed to submit to us leaders, you know. And so perhaps when you first hear the word submit, you have a negative reaction 
because it sounds negative. It sounds like the way for the church to control. It sounds like a way for leaders to control. It maybe sounds like a way for men to control. And maybe for many of you, you just don't get a great feeling when you hear the evil S word. I've heard some even call it the text of terror, which are those submit verses that we'll get to in a little bit. Now, I want you to think for a moment of church fights and disagreements. Okay, don't think about that anymore. But you know what those are like. I want you to think about typical fights or arguments you have in your family and think about the typical fights that you have as married couples. Now, I would suggest to you today that most of these fights come down to a power struggle. Now, often, if the power between the two individuals is equal, then it can be quite the showdown of a power struggle to see who is going to win the fight or the argument. However, if you have a situation where one person in the relationship or the situation has more power and another one has less power, there's different ways that this gets even more complicated in terms of how, how conflict escalates. Culture teaches us that if you are the one with more power, well, then you get to determine, you get to control and manipulate. Culture also teaches us, though, that if you happen to be the one with less power, then you can use resisting a rebellion to make it miserable for the person in authority over you. And so, if we just follow the cultural guidelines for how to deal with a power struggle, it never ends well, and it usually ends ugly on both sides. Now, back to thinking about the word submit or submission as it's often quoted in the Bible or in Scripture. And I would suggest to you that the scripture gets a really bad rap in terms of what Christian submission really means. And so what I hope to do today, through the word and by the power of the spirit, is to talk about what really is biblical healthy submission from a Christian perspective. So, how would we define biblical submission? I would suggest to you that the number one definition of biblical submission is simply to look at the life of Jesus. Now, I know with this being the last week of Sunday school, you're all going, he's already given the Sunday school answer. What's the answer to the question? Jesus. This time, like many other times, though, it's the right answer. Now, for a moment, just think of Jesus' life. So go back to the very beginning of his human life. We call it the incarnation. And basically what incarnation means is that God became flesh or human and dwelt among us. So God had to submit to becoming human in order to fulfill his plan to come and be our savior. So right from the very beginning, Jesus modeled submission. Jesus had to submit to a human family. For the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he submitted to his human family. I love the story when Jesus' mom was in charge of a wedding, ran out of wine, went to Jesus, Jesus didn't like the request, he wasn't ready, and yet he submitted to his mom because Jesus was a part of a family. We read and think about Jesus' last three and a half years of his life, but think about it, for 30 years, Jesus lived a very, very human life, submitting to a human mom and dad, and that was his life. He totally modeled submission. Jesus also lived within corrupt systems, and in fact, who would have known better how corrupt the Roman government was 
And who would have even known way better how corrupt the temple system was? And yet, you know what? Jesus never got his followers to resist, rebel, or to join any kind of revolutionary movements of any kind. Jesus instead taught respect and trust and submission even to corrupt institutions like the temple system and the Roman government that the Jews just despised and hated. Yet that was the Jesus way, submission. And then Jesus, through his ministry, and especially at the end when it came to his crucifixion, had so many false accusations put to him. And what did he do? He acted in submission. He submitted to torture and eventually to death. The whole life of Jesus illustrates to us and defines for us what true Christian submission is all about. Now, the other verse you see there is Ephesians 5.21. And this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And as he considers what it means to be a Christian, what it means to to be a follower of Jesus, he says in Ephesians 5.21 to all Christians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We as followers of Jesus willingly choose to submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. That is the foundation of what Christian submission is all about. Now, what Paul is writing about here in Ephesians 5 also rings to what Paul wrote back a little earlier in another letter he wrote called Galatians. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. But do you remember how in that letter, Paul talks about what this new Christian movement is supposed to be about to make it so radical and different from the rest of culture? And that whole idea was, was that in Christ, as followers of Jesus, guess what? There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. There's no longer Jew and Greek, because we are all one in Christ. That was the creative ideal, and that is now the new kingdom of Jesus ideal. Submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ, because there's no more division because we're one in Christ. So, where's the problem and where does submission need to come in? Well, it's because we need to live out this Christian faith, this radical Christian faith in the midst of a culture. We have to live it out in the midst of our culture, and Paul and the early church had to live it out in the context of their culture, and of course their culture was the Greek-Roman ancient world, which was a very extremely racist, patriarchal and very slave-heavy type of culture that was very much about the hierarchy of who was on top and had power and who were the powerless. And they needed to be the Christian church teaching this whole new way to live the God way in the midst of that kind of culture. So we need to understand that in Paul's culture, and especially later when we're going to get into the text he's going to talk about, he's illustrating how submission works in the context of his culture. So the three groups that he talks about that have this power struggle going on would be wives and husbands, children and fathers, and slaves and masters. So that's the context of the two key passages we're going to go today that are often called the household codes. Now remember, in that culture, that Greek-Roman culture of the day, women, children, and slaves had no legal rights, no financial rights, and little or no education. They were definitely 
the ones with no power. Now, in that culture, and sadly we still have it in our culture, but in that culture, very much, the idea was, was that if you were in a position of authority, if you were the one in culture that had more power, what you could do is you could lord it over those below you. You could use that power to control and to manipulate, and you could use that power to make life easier for you. No questions asked, no guilt needed, that's what you do because you're the one with power. Do you remember what Jesus said to that? Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, you know how the Gentiles use their power and authority to lord it over those under them? And he turned to his disciples and he said, not so with you. If you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. Jesus taught a kingdom that was a complete upside-down kingdom. So, in that culture, if you had more power, that's what you were told you could do with it. But also, if you were one that had less power, what you were taught or what you knew you could do was you could resist, rebel, and try to make life as miserable as possible for the people in authority over you. Often in those cultures, you had no chance to protest or use the political system to help you to do that. You had to do that in many, many subversive ways, but that was the way that you could fight from your end of this power imbalance. So keep that all in mind as we look at this tension in the early church and even why today we continue to have this tension over what true biblical Christian submission is. Now, I want, to, I want to read you a quote that is a really great summary by a scholar named Kevin A. Miller who says it this way. Paul offers a better solution, a way to move beyond power struggles. It's called submission. He says, in effect, in life, when you're in a place of less authority and power, which in his day included wives, children, and slaves, don't resist and resent and rebel. Out of reverence for Christ, respect and honor and work hard at pleasing the other person. And when you're in a place of more power, which in Paul's day included husbands, parents, and slave masters, don't lord it over the other person. Don't use them to make your life easier. Instead, use your power to benefit them. felt that sums it up well as to what was Jesus' kingdom and what Paul and Peter and the early church writers wanted to encourage this new church in how they lived what Christianity was supposed to be all about in the midst of a culture that made it really hard to live that out. So again, before we go into the, the text for today, it's very key that we understand that the household codes we're going to read are the examples, but that ultimately Christian submission is that we all, as followers of Jesus, submit one to each other out of reverence for Christ. So now let's, let's look at Ephesians 5 and then Colossians 3. So you'll see those on the screen, or if you have a Bible or your phone with you, you're welcome to go there, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to go a little bit further up from, to give us some context, but I want to start reading at verse 18. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We could read further there too, but let's also see the parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3 now, verse 18 to 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, it's so important that we understand the culture that all this is being spoken into. You see, in the time of of these writings, the way households conduct themselves in the ancient Roman Greek world is, well, they were called households. And and they would be rather large households where the patriarch or the father was like the authority of the household. And the household, of course, had a wife or perhaps many, The household had many children, and the household also had slaves. And the master of the house ran their household, and that was the way family or the way life structured around those households operating in that way. So you have to picture the fact that when this new movement called Christianity comes along and starts to say crazy things like, husbands love your wives, or masters treat your slaves well, or we gather as a Christian community and now we're supposed to all be equal? So I'm the slave owner and this is my slave, but now that we're both followers of Jesus, we're one in Christ and, we're, and I'm supposed to value what he has to say? Like again, I want you to just get your head around how difficult, what that culture was like and, and why things were said the way they were because that was their reality of how they had to do life. Now, In their culture as well, the Romans and the the Greeks of the society, they hated the Christians because in their minds, the Christians were subversive. Because the Christians let all the riffraff, all the losers, and all the women have opinions and matter in their community. And that really ticked them off. Because their society worked on the fact that those who were on top stayed on top and those who were on the bottom stayed on the bottom. And they liked it that way. But now all of a sudden this teaching was giving value to everyone and saying that we are all one in Christ and it was radical ideas. And so the Christians were often hated and persecuted because they were seen as being subversive to society, subversive to the empire. And it was... because of many of these things and many others as well. But that was a part of the tension that they were facing and that, and that we need to understand. So, if we're going to look at their context and then ask the Spirit to show us through Scripture how we make that work in our context, we just have to be careful with our study. So it's important to understand, first of all, from the Scriptures, is that submission ultimately is spiritual. You see, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, I think it's the next slide again. Um, You see, Paul assumes that the Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit and wants to live out of reverence for Christ, that that person instinctively 
will live in submission one to another. That is the assumption being made by Paul in how he's writing. In fact, from what I understand from the Greek, the word submit is not the command here. The command in this text is actually back in verse 18, which is why I highlighted that. The command here is be filled with the Spirit. That is the command. How it is understood or assumed you will live out being filled with the Spirit and living in reverence for Christ is that you will live in mutual submission and you also will live within submission of the household that you are a part of. Not because you necessarily have to if you're going to jump up and down on your Christian rights, but because you're desiring to, because you want to live in submission, because you want the household to work for the benefit of the gospel and to live in peace with all brothers and sisters. So that's another tension that the biblical authors had in trying to give advice to these churches living in these cultures. But again, we need to understand that ultimately, um, submission is a spiritual act. It's what we, as spirit-filled, wanting to live out of reverence for Christ Christians, this is our MO. This is a part of who we are as people, regardless of any sex, race, or status of any kind. We live that way. We live, we live in that submission. Got to get to the right page here. So, submission ultimately is spiritual, but submission, biblically, I believe, is also very much about being mutual and beneficial. So, submission, worked out well in a Christian way, is mutual and beneficial for everyone involved. You see, Paul is introducing some pretty new and radical ideas here in teaching what Christian submission looks like. In fact, at the end of, of uh, verse 25 there, when he talks about husbands, again, you just have to realize how radical it is in that culture. Women were basically property. And now Paul is saying, no, you, as Christian husbands, you love your wives. You don't just put up with them. You don't just give them an opinion once in a while. You don't just consider that maybe they might have a say in something. No, no, no. We're well beyond that. Paul is saying, no, you, as Christian husbands, you love your wives. And he's not talking about some mamby-pamby emotional kind of love. What kind of love is he talking about? Love your wives as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave his life. Remember the definition? Everything about Jesus was about submission. Do you see what he's getting at here? This is, this is radical teaching. But again, they had to live within their culture. And you know, Christian submission gave wives in the household incredible respect and honor that they wouldn't have had in other households. That was what Christian submission was about. And Christian submission also gives freedom to the one in authority. I love this quote by Christian scholar Richard Foster. It's on the next slide. He said, submission leads to liberty. The liberty to be able to let go of the terrible weight and burden of always needing to get my way. Get my own way. When we read that quote, we're always thinking about someone else, right? But that's how Christian liberty can be freedom. When we talk about the beneficial part of submission... It was to be beneficial, 
by those who had less power in the household, but it was also to be beneficial for those who had more power in the household. In fact, Christian submission means that those in authority, and this is the radical part, they use their power to benefit the other person. Okay, so remember, culture said, if you're the one in power, if you're the one in authority, you get to use your power to control, manipulate, and make life easier for yourself. Jesus said, not so with you. And I believe the New Testament authors were also saying, if you are that person, you now use that authority. And yes, you could argue as well that that's God-given authority based on on the model of creation and so on. But if you have that authority, you now use that authority to benefit to benefit your wife, to benefit your children, to benefit your whole household. That's why God gave it to you. That is Christian submission that is beneficial for all. You know, a number of years ago, it was the first time that someone referred to me, oh, can you believe it? Someone referred to me as a white privileged male. Oh. And you know what? I was so offended. How dare you call me a white privileged male? Well, the Holy Spirit started to stir in me. And after I came down off my arrogant pie horse, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, humble yourself and think about it. So I did. And I realized I am a white, privileged male. I'm like a middle-aged, white, privileged male. So it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, Don, you have a choice. You can either A, be offended, or B, you can embrace that truth and that reality, and yet you can use that privilege and that authority to help, to benefit others to bless. And I had to grapple with that. So I know, I know I'm really skirting on some controversial thoughts here. But are we going to follow the Jesus way or are we going to follow the culture way? And again, the Jesus way is such a radical upside-down kingdom. Jesus never used his authority and his power to control and manipulate It was always the opposite. What a model. What a model we have. Now, both for the sake of time, and uh, we already had a really awesome sermon this morning, Mabel. Thank you. I was so inspired by that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about submission to leadership, but I feel like that's a whole new can of worms to get into that we'll save for another time. Just as I told you that this was the last one in this series, maybe you'll have to hear another one. But where where I do want to land here today is, now there's a whole bunch of scripture that does talk about how the early church needed to figure out how to submit to the authorities of the land. And that's another whole subject that, again, I plan to, but I'm not going to have time to go there today. But I do want to end with just a little thought on how we as followers of Jesus submit to leadership within the church. And what does that look like? So the verse I want to share with you, it's slide number 10. We're skipping a couple here. It's from Hebrews 13, 17, and it says this. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. 
Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Now, when I talk about submitting to leaders within the church context, again, this is something that can hook a lot of you. If you have been controlled and manipulated and even abused by church leaders in your life, can I say as a church leader, can I stand in that gap and just say, I am so sorry. That is never right to never of God, and it should never be. And my heart breaks that that happens. But that was never the Jesus way. Never the Jesus way. However, like in the households, I would suggest that if husbands love their wives and children the way Christ loves the church, we would likely never have to have a discussion about submission. And I would say that if church leaders led and used their authority in the way Christ modeled and instructed us, we probably would never have issues. However, we're sinful people who live in a fallen world, right? And we have to deal with that. And so we have to work this out in reverence for Christ, empowered by the Spirit, but learn how to submit to each other in love. Now, I'm not saying that following this scripture I'm showing you means that you just have to turn off your brain and just nod your head at everything leaders do. Not suggesting that at all. Leaders need accountability. And we have systems and a governance model in our church for there to be accountability. It's not perfect either, I know. But it's there. Can I plead with you, Bridgeway Church? Getting down to my last sermon, so I'm, I'm ready to plead some more. Darren Kennedy is going to start as your lead pastor in two weeks. Can I encourage you to support him? to live out this verse. Now, Darren's a young pastor. He's going to have a learning curve ahead of him. He's going to make mistakes. And he needs accountability. Absolutely, he does. He needs the prophets and the discerners to be able to correct him and help him. Absolutely. But he needs us as a congregation to support him. Can I ask you and plead with you? Use the proper channels. When you have problems, when there's things that he says that bug you or things that he does that you don't think are great, don't just have conversations with each other about it. If there are real issues, go through the proper authorities. We have a new personnel committee. We have elders and a ministry team. Come to the right people. In fact, I'd suggest to you, go to Darren himself and say, hey, Darren, you said this and it really ticked me off. Can we talk about it? Or we said this, and I'm not sure that's a biblical thing. Let's talk about it. That's called Christian community. That's called accountability that builds one another up in love. But can I plead if you don't have the private conversations? Don't let our idea of wanting discernment and accountability to just turn into a critical spirit or turn into a divisive spirit. It happens so quickly in churches. So let us work among you, be a joy and not a burden. Please. And let me just also just encourage you with our other leadership teams, specifically, say, our elders and our ministry team. I've just been so thankful to see our elder team add more members and now see our ministry team be full. And I'm just so excited for Darren to have a good group of leaders around him to support him. He needs those people. Now, I know that in this, our church context, 
We've had some struggles with our elders. There's, there's those of you that have been hurt and wounded deeply by decisions that were made. And there's been a lot of healing in this last year, but I also know there's still some difficult things for many of you. And I'm not saying that it's just an easy thing to forgive and forget and wipe the slate clean. But can I ask you to walk forward? Can I ask you to walk in that spirit of we want to be unified? We want to walk in healing? Yes. I'm never saying no discernment, no accountability. Yes, 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 we need it. But let's walk in unity. Let's be the church that God has called us to be. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. They will give account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So I plead and I urge, let's be that kind of church. If the communication lines stay open and upfront, go to the people you need to go to and talk to them. We can get through that. We can have conversations, but have them with the people that you're hurt by or offended by. And I just encourage us, let's, let's be that kind of church and that kind of people. Because you see, that's how we submit one to each other out of reverence for Christ. That's how we develop leaders that don't lord it over you, but instead they want to be servants and they want to serve you. Make their serving a joy. Let's close in prayer. So Lord God, I'm so thankful for Bridgeway Community Church. And Lord, um, this congregation knows that they've been through a lot of difficult things. And Lord, we, we've never wanted to just ignore them or sweep them under the carpet. Lord, we, we want to expose and bring the darkness into light. And so Lord, where more healing is needed, I pray in the name of Jesus and ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that more healing will flow through this church. Oh Lord, I pray for Pastor Darren as he will begin as lead pastor. We pray again, Holy Spirit, would you fill him and would you anoint him for this task you have called him to? Lord, I pray covering and protection over Darren and Chantel and their family. And Lord, I pray that you will prepare them and equip them for the task they have ahead. Lord, I pray for our elders and I pray for our ministry team. And Lord, I pray that each one of those women and men will be filled by your spirit and will lead with integrity and will lead with honesty and will lead with humility. And Lord, I pray that you will give them joy and fulfillment in their work. Lord, I pray for our action team leaders and the many, many who give so much in this place by volunteering, by serving, by giving financially. Lord, there's so many ways the gifts are poured out here. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that those gifts would be fanned into flame. Oh, Spirit of God, would you do a miracle of unity amongst this church? Lord, may healing and unity, Lord, cause us to be a family that can play together, pray together, and sometimes fight together, but we can get through it because we're going to live it out in honesty before you and each other. So, oh God, I pray, do that powerful work among us. Lord, I, I pray over families today. I pray 
over moms and dads and kids. I pray for mutual submission and proper submission that those families would be healthy and whole. And Lord, I pray over marriages today. And I pray that husbands and wives will understand love and mutual respect and also understand their household. And Lord, I pray that submission can be a beautiful thing, that can be spiritual and benefit all. And Lord, I pray again, do that in your church. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for playing. Just wanted to remind you again that uh, the Sunday School picnic now, um, weather's holding out there from what I can see through the windows, so the plan's still a go. I'm looking for any leaders of that. So it's at, um, remind me of the park? Southside Park. Everyone's invited. Bring your own picnic lunch, games for the kids. Come hang out. We'd love to see you all there. Bless you this week.